Thank you for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at weareradiant.com. One more time, are you excited to be back at Radiant Church? Man, I'm glad that you're here. If I haven't met you yet, my name is Aaron Burke. I'm the lead pastor, and we are one church, six locations. We are in the finale of a series we've been calling The Comeback. Say The Comeback. We have been looking at comeback stories throughout the scriptures and realizing how these stories are not just stories in the scriptures, but they're stories that can apply to your life and you can experience a comeback no matter how far you've fallen, how much you've messed up, there is a comeback available for you. We are going to talk today about the greatest comeback of all time, the comeback of Jesus raising from the dead. But before I get there, I was thinking about over my life, some of the comeback stories that I've heard that that really have inspired me. I remember one of them because when I was growing up, I used to surf a little bit. You might not have known that about your pastor, but uh, I, I, I like to surf a little bit. And I remember hearing about this girl named Bethany, Bethany Hamilton. She was 13 years old surfer that was six o'clock in the morning with her friends out surfing in Hawaii when a 14 foot tiger shark comes up and doesn't just take a chunk out of her board, but also takes her arm off at the exact same time. She's rushed to the emergency room. 60% of her blood is out of her body. She is in the ICU. There's obviously a chance she doesn't even survive, but she does survive. And in the ICU, she makes a decision. Now, if it was me, the decision would have been, I'm moving to the mountains. I'm moving the furthest away from the, the beach as possible. But, but Bethany Hamilton was, was crazy and wild. And her decision in that hospital is, I got to get out surfing again. No thank you to me. I would not do that. But it was only 26 days later that Bethany was in the water surfing her next competition. That is what I would call a comeback. Say comeback. It's a comeback story. Here's another one. It's a guy by the name of Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods was one of the greatest golfers of all time. I actually started golfing because of Tiger Woods. I also stopped golfing because I'm not like Tiger Woods. A lot of people are in the same boat there. At 20 years old, when he joined uh, the, the pros, he became the number one in the world in his very first year, won multiple majors, um, has won more masters than anybody else, and then went through a season of life where everything went kind of crazy and ended up getting a divorce and went through a DUI. I remember him getting arrested, and when he got arrested, I remember his mugshot came out. And how many know, when, when you get to that place, like, you need a comeback. You need a comeback story. But everybody gave up on Tiger, and everybody gave up on him. I remember hearing commentator after commentator say, his best days are behind him. There's no way that he's going to win anymore. He went 11 years before ever winning another major championship until the 2009 Masters. And I remember watching him sink that last putt, everybody going crazy, him hugging his kids. And I was like, that is a comeback story. Say comeback. Here's one more I got to give you today because we're in Tampa Bay and you can't talk about comeback without talking about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But how many know it didn't start the way that it was this last year? The way it started was rough. I remember moving here in 2013 and I'd never been in a city where we had a professional football team. So I was all excited until, until I kind of got involved and looked around and Man, we had multiple Bucks players come into the church, and they'd come and go, Pastor, just give us some inspiration. <laughs> give us something. I remember one year, man, they, they only won two games of the whole year. And, and look at this fan. Like, that's a sad fan right there. L look at the little kid. Can we zoom in on that kid? Look at that face. That's, that's a face of like, man, I, my team's not doing too well. And, 
It got worse after worse. I got some of my best laughs as a preacher just because I would make Bucks jokes. I want to apologize now because now I'm a full-on Bucks fan because Tom Brady came to our rescue. And if you don't know, well, now you know. We are Super Bowl champions here in Tampa Bay. We, that is what I would call a comeback. Those are all good comeback stories, but they're not the greatest comeback story. The greatest comeback story I'm going to give you today is a story of Jesus' death, his burial, and his resurrection. And this is what I'm titling today's message. I want you to write it down. It's simply this, that why the resurrection changes everything. Why the resurrection changes everything everything. We have to understand that our life and our faith is built on this one event that happened 2,000 years ago that has changed everything. It's why we're gathering here today. It's what has changed our life. And I want to help you and convince you and challenge you to believe again in the power of the resurrection that happened 2,000 years ago. And if you're in the boat, like most people are today, where they go, listen, Aaron, I can buy into Jesus as a good teacher. I can buy into him as a good person, maybe even some of those miracles. But the idea that he rose from the dead, I can't go there. I want you to know you're in good company because his disciples, his friends, his family, and even his mother did not believe that he rose from the dead. I wanna show it to you because I think we have this idea that everybody, when he died, everybody was like, oh, it's all okay. Oh, no, no, start the countdown clock. Three days later, Sunday is coming. But that's not what the disciples felt. When they saw him die, they saw their hopes, their dreams, their aspirations die on that cross with him. They thought it was all over. Let me show it to you in the scriptures. The book of Mark, chapter 16, verse 1, it says it like this. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome brought spices so that they might anoint Jesus's body. Why would they need to anoint the body? Because the body was dead. He had died on Friday, was buried on Saturday, which was a Sabbath day, so they couldn't go buy spices on that day. So they had to wait till Sunday, this is our day, where now they would go and anoint Jesus's body. And when they went there to go do it, they were talking about how very early in the morning, just at their sunrises, sunrise, they were on the way to the tomb and they asked each other, Who's going to roll away the stone from the entrance of the tomb? There was a stone there. They, they didn't go thinking, oh, let's go see our resurrected Savior. No, no, no. They went to go see a dead Jesus. But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled away. Now, we look at this 2,000 years later and go, oh, it makes sense Jesus overcame death, hell, and the grave. He was victorious. He is resurrected. But they didn't think that. Their first go-to was that someone must have taken the body. They must have stolen the body of Jesus. And they run back to the disciples and they go get to the disciples and they said this phrase. They said it like this in John 20, verse 2. They said, they, who was who they? They is maybe the religious leaders, maybe the Roman authorities of the time. They had taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they have put him. And they're confused. They're all upset that there's this confusion in the midst of their despair and as these women are talking the disciples are sitting there and it says they didn't even believe the women they didn't believe them because their words seemed like nonsense now that's how you know the disciples weren't married right because you don't tell the woman that her words seem like <laughs> that's funny right there 
And it did seem like nonsense. And honestly, there's many people here today, and you're sitting at our locations, and you're sitting there going, it's nonsense, Aaron. This idea that, that he rose from the grave, it, it doesn't make sense. And that's exactly how the disciples felt and Jesus' own mother felt when this idea came about. But everything changed on this Sunday. Everything changed because the Bible says that later that evening, they're locked in a room fearful for their lives. And it says while they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said, peace be with you. Now, why did Jesus have to say peace be with you? Because if someone died a few days before and shows up in my house, how many know I'm going to need a little peace right there in that moment? We need a little bit and a change of pants, right? Like that's what I'm going to need. <laughs> when they're startled and they're frightened and they're thinking that they saw a ghost and he said to them, why are you troubled? Don't let doubts rise up in your minds. Look at my hands. Look at my feet. Touch me. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost doesn't have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And then he says, he told them, this is what is written. Now he's, now he's going to explain what just happened. Even though he'd already told them many times before. He was going to explain. He said the Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, even to Tampa Bay in the United States 2,000 years later. I want you to know this message is going to go forward. And people are going to be forgiven and made whole. And they're going to be preached beginning here at Jerusalem. And then he says this phrase. Lean into this. Look. He said, you, you disciples... You ladies that are here, my mom, all these people, I want you to know, you guys, y'all are witnesses of these things. What things are they witnesses of? They were witnesses that Jesus had died, was buried, and did not stay dead. He rose from the grave. This is why the resurrection changes everything, because our God did not stay in that grave. He rose from the dead. He overcame death, hell, and the grave. And now he offers us a comeback because he led the way with the greatest comeback ever. Can we give him a little bit of praise at all of our locations? This is so important, and I want you to, guys to understand why the resurrection changes everything. Check this out. I like to look at the evidence for the resurrection in four categories. The first one is, did Jesus die on the cross? Was he dead? Virtually every scholar on planet Earth concedes that Jesus was dead after crucifixion. We have no record of anyone anywhere ever surviving a full Roman crucifixion. Uh, even the Journal of the American Medical Association uh, published a peer-reviewed scientific medical study of the evidence for the death of Jesus and said clearly the weight of the evidence indicates that Jesus was dead even before the wound to his side was inflicted. Even the atheist New Testament scholar Gerd Ludeman says historically it's indisputable that Jesus was dead. So Jesus was dead. The second category of evidence is the early accounts we have for the resurrection. In other words, I used to think as an atheist that the resurrection was a legend, and that took a long time to develop in the ancient world. But what I learned is that we have preserved for us a creed of the earliest Christian church. 
a creed that is a eyewitness-based report of the resurrection of Jesus. Now, this creed has been dated back by scholars to within months of the death of Jesus. Within months. That is historical gold. So we've got a newsflash from ancient history on the resurrection. Third category of evidence is the empty tomb. And the best evidence for that is even the opponents of Jesus implicitly admitted the tomb was empty. Because when the disciples began proclaiming that Jesus had risen, what the opponents said was, oh, well, um, the disciples stole the body. Now they're conceding the tomb's empty. They're just trying to explain how it got empty. So everybody's conceding the tomb was empty. How did it get empty is really the issue. And that goes to the fourth category of evidence, which is eyewitnesses. You know, for most of what we know about ancient history, it comes from one or maybe two sources of information. And yet for the conviction of the disciples that they encountered the resurrected Jesus, we have no fewer than nine ancient sources inside and outside the New Testament, confirming and corroborating the conviction of the disciples that they encountered the risen Christ. That is an avalanche of historical data. So you put all that together and you have a really good case for Easter. So why does this matter? Why does it matter that Jesus rose from the grave? Why does it matter that the resurrection changes everything? Here's why I'm going to give you four reasons this Easter, and I want you to write them down right there in your notes. Number one is that the resurrection of Jesus verified the life and teachings of Jesus. Now, you have to understand this is important because Jesus wasn't the first good teacher to come along, and he's not the last one. There's been good teaching for millennia. He also wasn't the first person to come along to say he was the Messiah. You go on a little stroll down to Ebor, you're going to run into someone who thinks they're the Messiah right now. <laughs> There's weird people everywhere. But, but Jesus' statement is different now that we know he rose from the grave. Because what it does is it verifies everything he said beforehand. And now we can look back on what he spoke about and realize, man, he is someone greater than just a man on this earth. Look what the scriptures say in Mark chapter 8. It says, the son of man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. Why is this written? This is Jesus telling his disciples, this is what is going to happen to me. How did Jesus know this? He knew it because he wasn't merely a man. He was God in the flesh. This is important for us to understand because if Jesus knows the past, present, and future of his life, then I have encouragement for you today that Jesus also knows the past, the present, and the future of your life today. So if you feel like you are fearful of the future, then I would encourage you, put your life in Jesus' hands. He can take care of you. He can guide you. And he can lead you to a greater life than you ever thought you could have. Come on, give him better praise than that today, church. Jesus rose from the dead. It verifies his teachings. That's why he says, I am the resurrection and the life. You can't be the resurrection without resurrecting. And Jesus resurrected from the grave. And the one who believes in me, guess what? You're going to experience everything that I experienced. And I want to look right at the camera and say, hey, if you feel like things are dead in your life, they don't have to stay dead for very long. Our God is still in the business of raising things from the dead. He can raise the marriage from the dead, your purpose from the dead, your destiny from the dead. He is a God that can raise people from the dead. Come on, give them better praise. Amen. Amen. This is what I love. 
about the idea of our Jesus because I want you to write it down because Jesus is not a dead teacher to be admired. When I talk to my atheists or agnostic friends, they're all in less like, well, yeah, yeah, Jesus, cool, that's awesome, great teacher. But they don't understand. He's not a dead teacher to be admired. He is a risen savior to be followed. He's a risen savior that you can give your life to. You're waiting for your tweetable moment, your Instagram moment right here. This is the phrase, put it online, because that is who our God is. He is a God that's worth following. Number two is simply this, that the resurrection of Jesus started and now sustains the church. It started and sustains the church. If Jesus did not resurrect from the dead, then what we are doing today and every week is pointless. It is pointless for us to gather. It's pointless for us to give. It's pointless for us to serve. This gathering is pointless. But if Jesus did raise from the dead, which he did, then this, what we do is of most importance. It is the most important thing we do. I love how Paul says in the book of 1 Corinthians, he says, if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is useless. He basically said, listen, listen to a good TED talk. That's all you need. A little inspiration. He goes, and so is your faith. Like you don't need to gather. You don't need to give. This is all pointless. But it's not pointless because Jesus did get raised from the dead. And the church founders were not people that came together and said, okay, let's come up with some kind of story. Let's, let's write this Bible. Let's come up with this idea. No, they were men and women who had experienced a risen Savior. And their response to it was to start this thing called the church that would eventually birth the Bible. And all of this is traced back to a single event called the resurrection. And these church founders were sold on the idea that Jesus rose from the dead. People like Peter, who was a screw up and messed up all the time. But Peter saw and conversed and hung out with a risen Jesus. Peter would go on to plant churches and lead the church for years and eventually be crucified upside down for one reason, is that he would not renounce his faith in a resurrected Jesus. People have to understand, listen, you're making up some kind of lie. When you get to the crucifixion, you're going to go, okay, okay, I was just joking the whole time. But Peter was not going to renounce it because he really saw it. Another guy by the name of James, James would go on to lead the church in Jerusalem, a great church leader. Why does James matter? Well, you have to look at James's life. He would go on to write a whole book called the book of James. And James opens the book of James with this phrase. He says, James a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, why is that important? That sounds like a good thing a church leader should say. It's important because James was also the brother of Jesus. Now, I don't know about you. I can fool a lot of people, but I ain't fooling my brother to go around and go, Aaron, my Lord and my Savior. Like the, My brother ain't going to say that to me. Why? He knows who I really am. If you've convinced your brother that you are the Savior of the universe, you are the Savior of the universe. And we have to understand that this is so crucial and so important because this is the foundation of our faith. Write it down your notes this way. Because the foundation of our faith is not a teaching or a book. It's an event that's called the resurrection. And if you're here today and you go, Aaron, I, I, 
I get it, but I can't get into those stories, those Old Testament stories and those things. I read them. How do you really believe those things? I believe those things because Jesus believed them and spoke about them. And this is why it's important. Because if Jesus believed them and he also predicted his death, burial, and resurrection, then I'm going to go along with whatever he says over whatever I feel at any moment. Can I get a better amen than that? It started the church. But it also sustains the church. I want you to understand this because the church has gone through a lot for 2,000 years. We've gone through wars and plagues and dictators. Now the church is going through this coronavirus season and you read all these articles and, oh, is there a future for the church? Can I just remind you and let you know that this thing, this church has been through a lot of things before this and will be through a lot of things after this and it only gets stronger throughout the whole process. The church will continue to grow. It will continue to move on to what God has for it because it's his church. God sustains this church. I think of the early days of Radiant. If you were here during our early days, we're seven years old as a church, but let me just say it this way. The, the experience you're having right now at all of our locations is not the way it used to be. It's a lot nicer right now. During the early days, we were in a rundown old dollar theater. We had one auditorium with 190 seats yellow chairs, green carpet, and then it was so much soda was on the floor that every time you walked, your feet would stick to the floor. Like, it was just disgusting. And I remember I preached in there, and for some reason, God helped us grow that church and that little auditorium until we got delivered, amen. So I remember having this moment where I was preaching. This is a few months into the church, and I'm getting to the very end of the message, and I'm really passionate in this moment, and the keyboard's playing, and, and I'm getting ready to do the response time where people can then give their lives to Christ. And I know this is the moment. I'm at preaching and I just feel the presence of God. And it's a moment where God's in the room. And at that time in the back of the auditorium, I hear these people start to make a commotion in the back of the auditorium. And now I had heard stories before about during great revivals, how, how there was commotion that would happen when the preacher was preaching because people were under such conviction. They were ready to run to the altar. And I thought, radiant. This is our time. This is our moment. And I'm ready for these people to run to the altar. But it wasn't God moving them out of their seats. It was a mouse that had fallen from the ceiling onto the floor and had run through the aisles and everybody just kind of was running out of the auditorium. This service was over. You can't recover that one. But I want you to know the next week we had church again and we had church again and we've gone through some crazy stuff. You at St. Pete, y'all know we've had multiple Sundays. We showed up. There's not even been power in the building. We kept having church. Our Heights location before was at our downtown is at Blake High School. We'd show up there weeks after weeks with no AC and God still built his church. Our Brandon location got kicked out of the high school a few weeks into it. We had to find another location. God built the church. Our, our North Tampa location, we still, they're still setting up and tearing down and we're going to eventually install some stuff in there but it's happening god's going to build his church because guess what it's not our church it's his church it's not built on some event out there it's built on an event that happened two thousand years ago called the resurrection god will sustain his church come on give him better praise than that number three the resurrection of jesus gives us hope that things can change and I need you to get this today because a lot of you guys are frustrated because you're trying and you're trying and you're trying and things are not changing in your life. And I want you to know it's because you're trying it in your own strength. The marriage can't change in your own strength. You know, the addiction can't be broken in your own strength. You've all tried this in your own strength. Let me prove it to you. 
because many of you guys started out this year going, this is the year I am, I'm, I'm, I'm getting rid of those 19 pounds that I gained from the COVID-19 quarantine. Like that was your whole goal for 2021. Like I am going to overcome those 19 pounds. Now we are in April, just four months into the year. And some of you guys, you, you've only got 25 pounds to go. Come on. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> you can't do it in your own strength. And that's why we need the resurrection. That's why we need the power of God in our life. 1 Corinthians 15, 17 says, if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. And that is the truth of all of our lives that if Christ hasn't been raised, if we haven't experienced this resurrection, then we are lost in and of ourselves. But I have good news for you today. Jesus was resurrected. The same power that raised him from the dead now lives inside of you and me. And if you've been doing it in your own strength, I want you to tap into God's power today. God's power that is able to bring you victory in every area of your life. We serve a risen Savior and that resurrection changes everything. Write in your notes this way. Easter isn't simply about celebrating a resurrection, even though we love to celebrate it. It's actually about experiencing the resurrection in your life. That is what Easter is all about. And I want you to know today, no matter where you're at, how much you've messed up, you can experience a comeback simply because Jesus came back from the grave. We hear about the stories all the time. I just want to show you one of them this Easter. Check this out. Not knowing your purpose is like walking around aimlessly in the dark. You don't even know where you're going. Or worse, assuming that you think you know where you're going and you're going towards something that has no value. My mom and dad are like model parents. <laughs> He's not doing anything wrong yeah. if they didn't get the ball. Yeah. My mom was a stay-at-home mom. If you ask her like if she was here right now, she would tell you like we were best friends. And she's right, we were. Yeah. My dad, he was my rock, my hero, and he still is. I asked the coach where you were, and he goes, he's at the wall. And everybody was gone, but there's Ryan at the wall. Just, he never stopped. Growing up, sports were everything to me, and specifically lacrosse was, it was top dog, especially where I'm from, upstate New York, lacrosse is, it's king. I um, had achieved two-time national champion, All-American, first team, undefeated two years in a row, and was about to go to Syracuse on a scholarship to play at the highest level. When I wasn't playing lacrosse, I was partying just as hard. Immorality, um, drugs, partying, and, and it just started to take root in my life. By the time it became a problem, I didn't even realize it was a problem. I was going into my first semester at Syracuse, and I went to a tournament, and we were going out first night before the games, and my buddy offered me a drug. I, uh, I took it. When I got into the taxi cab, things were getting darker, and I could tell that like I was dying. But the last thought I thought about was my mom. I just wanted to hug her one more time, and I cannot even describe to you like what that feels like. I didn't have much time because I could tell I was losing consciousness, so I just texted them, my mom and dad, and just said I love you, fast as I could, and um, it just got black after that. The hardest part about my recovery was the fallout, the consequences that came afterwards. So I was riddled with panic attacks. I've dropped about 50 pounds from just anxiety and, and depression. Checked myself into the psych ward. 
and uh, brought my Bible with me and spent a ton of time just reading my Bible and praying to God. And that's when I decided to fully commit my life to following Jesus. Because either one of two things were going to happen, either I wasn't going to recover or I was going to get better and the only way it would happen was through God. When I got out, I continued to pursue God and as I continued to grow closer to Him and learn more about Him, my condition improved rapidly. Moved down to Tampa in 2016 and um, almost immediately got plugged into Radiant Church. For the first time in my entire life, I felt like I fit in with the team like nothing I've ever felt before. Shortly after, I made the decision to get baptized. I wanted to publicly proclaim my decision to follow Jesus, to truly die to self, and to live for Christ. I did 21 days of prayer and fasting, and for 21 days I specifically was praying about, what do you want me to do next, God? I reached out to FCA because I remembered that FCA was like a big part of me growing up as far as like athletics in Christ and the tournaments I would go to and um, I had an interview with Steve Young, the supervisor, and he asked me to come on to staff and I was like, you want me to come on to staff? <laughs> I was trying to volunteer and he was like, you should do, you should be on staff. And um, and now I'm, I'm working in ministry of all things. I go to uh, five, no, six high schools in my area, in my area. We start huddles, they're like clubs. For the kids, it's, it's a place to come together and fellowship and uh, be with other Christian athletes or even just Christians in general. My job is to kind of facilitate that, is to create an atmosphere where they can do that and even be a guest speaker and tell them about my story, about how I pursued uh, worldly success and how it truly led to destruction and how now I pursue godly success and it's leading to purpose. When I was overdosing and I was dying, I didn't. I knew I deserved death. I knew I deserved destruction. I knew I deserved hell because of the way I was living. And God saw it in His heart and His plan to give me a second chance. You're going through life and, and life hits you with something you never expected and takes you down to your knees and takes everything from you that you once thought was important. And then God gets involved and, and makes something that seems impossible become possible again. Where's on three, where's on three, one, two, three, four. Come on, isn't that an incredible story of God, how he can change things in your life? I just want you to be inspired today for the fact that, listen, no matter what you feel like you're up against, things in your life can change. And it's not going to change because you just muster enough, up enough courage and strength to get it done yourself. you got to get to that place that Ryan got to. And I love his story because someone who had all these aspirations, but the things of this world got a hold of him and goes from there to an overdose, to the low of life. And when he turns to God, God, over time, restores him. And now he is living his ultimate purpose. It can happen in your life. You've not gone too far. You have not messed up too much for you to experience the comeback that is possible because of the resurrection. Number four is this. Write it down. That the resurrection of Jesus reminds us that death is not the end. And we've all experienced some form of loss and death over this last year dealing with this pandemic. I lost one of my closest friends this year, 42 years old, um, to COVID. And, and I remember even preaching at his funeral going, man, I'm so devastated with the fact that because death feels so final. But we have to understand Jesus shows us in these days after the resurrection that death is not the end. He rose from the grave. And, and when he rose from the grave, he spent the next 10 days there with, with 
many disciples. The Bible tells us over 500 people witnessed him over those 10 days before he ascended up into heaven. Is now he's sitting on the right hand of the Father, interceding for you and for me. You have to understand that our God is not dead. He is alive and he is in heaven and he's preparing a place for you and for me. Death's not the end of this thing. And I hope you have a little bit of encouragement today that you can spend an eternity with God. But now the ball's in your court. It's on you. Because now we have a decision to make. And this is what's key. Write it down. That our earthly decision ultimately determines our eternal destiny. And we have to hold on to this fact that you are having to make a decision today. And one day you're going to stand before God. And he's not going to ask you how much money did you give. And how many good deeds did you perform based on your bad deeds. How many... Um, How much time did you volunteer? He's going to ask you one question. I want you to pay attention to this. He's going to ask you, what did you do with my risen Jesus? What did you do? Did you just admire him as a good teacher? Or did you follow him as your Lord and as your Savior? And I want you to know, you can make that decision today that will determine your ultimate destiny. Because now we have an opportunity to know God in a real way. And he wants to know you so bad. There's another group in here today, and and you know God, you have that relationship with them, but there's things in your life that you think, man, they just died, and I want to remind you that death is not even the end of those things. You can be victorious. It might have looked like it's over in, in one situation, but our God is a God of the comeback. He is a God that can take those dead things in your life, the dead marriage, the dead situation, the dead purpose in your life, and he can bring it to new life, but we can't do it in our own strength. This is why we lean into him, into his power, into his ability. And I want us to take a moment right across all of our locations. I want us to stand. Nobody moving around. Come on, let's all stand in every location. Nobody moving around. This is a moment to just take the last two minutes of our service and put our attention on a God who has been raised from the dead, but now can bring life to whatever is dead in your body right now. Life to whatever is dead in your life right now. Life and life to the full, no matter what you are going through. Come on, let's bring our praise to Him right now.
Every eye closed, every head bowed. There's some people in here, I, I put you in two different categories. The first one is your faith has been rocked over this last year. You, you, you've let the events of this world kind of dictate your, your faith instead of the event of the resurrection, knowing that, man, if God did that, he can bring me through anything. And you just need your faith strengthened at whatever location you're at. Just, just receive that right now. Be encouraged right now. God is for you. He's not done with you. It's not too late for you to come back. Come back to your faith, back to that relationship with him, back to the, the greatness that God has for your life. Maybe you need to recommit your life to the Lord. Do it right there, right in your seat. There's another group in here today that you've never had a relationship with God, or maybe you walked away a long time ago. This is your moment of salvation. A simple yet significant decision in this moment to give Jesus your life. It's a decision to say, I'm putting my trust in a resurrected Jesus. I'm gonna make him the Lord of my life. It's a real decision. It's a decision for you to go all in with God. But I think it's a decision that will ultimately determine your eternal destiny. And if that's you today, you don't have a relationship with God, I want you to know you can. And I'm going to have you respond. Here's how I'm going to have you respond. On the count of three, I'm going to have you throw that hand up, wave it at me, put it right back down. And then I'm going to pray for you right there in your seat at every location, if that's you. On the count of three, throw the hand up. Ready? One, two, three. Come on, throw those hands up. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Dozens and dozens of hands all in this room. I know they're at St. Pete and Brandon Heights, North Tampa, those online. I just want us to pray this prayer. How about we all pray to every location together, whether you raise your hand or not, let's make it a decision of our hearts. Say, dear Jesus, come on, say it loud. Dear Jesus, today I give you my life. I give you my past. I give you my present. And I give you my future. For the rest of my life, I'm gonna follow you. Thank you for dying for me for being raised from the dead. And now I'm gonna live for you. You are my Lord and you are my savior. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody that agrees says, come on, let's celebrate at every location, all of the decisions. Come on, Radiant Church, we can do better than that. Let's celebrate together. Thank you for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. For service times or giving options, visit us at weareradiant.com.